Welcome to the Peak Community Church Podcast, where weekly messages are available for your hearing. God did give me a word to share with you this morning, and so um, I'd I'd like to share that um, at this time. Uh, has, has, Has anyone here ever made a vow and broken it? Huh? Yeah? Yeah? I'm in good company. I'm in good company. You know, because sometimes we, we, we're approached in life with certain situations that we just turn around and be like, oh God, man, Lord Jesus, if, if you could just get me out of this, I would never. <laughs> Lord, just this one time, God, please, I, I promise, I promise, I make that vow. And if we've got kids, sometimes we've heard they come back to us. Hey, mom, dad, but you promised if, if we did our chores and, 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 and did our homework, right? You said you were going to take us to the movies. Can't, can't we go to the movies? And oftentimes, you know, it's, it's not that we don't want to take them to the movies, but, you know, sometimes we make some of these promises and these vows. They're, they're more like disconnected possibilities. <laughs> right? I mean, it's just... I said, I said, wait, wait, no, hold on, son. I said it'd be possible, maybe it's possible we could go to the movies, but, you know, it's a disconnected possibility. It'd be more possible if you paid some of the bills around here and maybe <laughs> did the dishes and not forget to take out the garbage. Then it'd be a greater possibility. <laughs> But, but for most of us, for most of us, if you're thinking about vows, pledges, oaths that we would take, right? I, I think that in our human experience while we're here, probably the greatest one, the biggest one that we would ever do would probably be the marriage vow. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's, that's, it gets serious. You think? Like, I mean, it gets serious. Like, this is the marriage vow. My lawfully wedded wife. Like, like this is legal. It's, <laughs> like, this is contractual. Like, there's no messing around. Ain't no turn around. Like, like, you know, this isn't a disconnected possibility. This is like the real deal. This is probably the realest vow that we could ever take. I mean, being an officiant of weddings now, like, I've done, I've done several of them. You know, love and hold, honor, keep. Sickness and in health, you know, forsaking all others. That, that's it. You're the one. <laughs> Take you, hold you, honor you, love you, keep you. Sickness and in health, richer or poorer. Hopefully it's more richer than it is poorer. My God, get a job. In sickness and in health, right? This is a real vow. Like, these are real oaths. You stand there and you make this commitment and it's like, boom, reality hits. We married. Here's what I don't understand. Most of us, you know, we're pretty good with our word. We say what we mean. We mean what we say, right? Do what you say you're going to do and we're people of the word. But why is it then that when it comes to marriages... You know, 50% of marriages fail. Half. 50. 5-0. 50% of marriages fail. And do you know that that's just as real in the church as it is in the world? 
Why? I mean, something's not working. What's broken within all of this? And, 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 and what I've come to find out, and what I've come, you know, school of hard knocks, how many people like, like learning the lessons the hard way? <laughs> you learn that we're not, we're not equipped. Not ready. Because the marriage thing isn't, isn't, isn't the physical, it's not the emotional. Marriage is spiritual. We need to be spiritually equipped in order to be able to enter into marriage. I, I, you know, because, all right, I mean, it's kind of, in the beginning, it's very emotional. Oh, it's looking so good. But eventually, you know, life happens. There's got to be something more than just the marriage. Is a great marriage possible? Absolutely. A great, fulfilling, wondrous marriage. I'm like 20-something years into... Where's my wife? Hey, girl. <laughs> like 20, like 20, 22 years. 21 in June. Going to 21. Baby, I'm more in love with you today than the day I said I do. God. You put God into it. Ain't no devil in hell going to be able to come and undo what God has done. Marriage has to be built on a sure foundation. Someone once said, my wife and I, we were happy for, uh, 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 for 22 years. And then we met. <laughs> that was Rodney Dangerfield, by the way, who said that. Let's not take our cues from Rodney Dangerfield. You know, the guy that said, yeah, I took my wife to New York. She found her way back. Here's a good guy that we could get some cues from, all right? His name is Jimmy Evans. I don't know if you've ever heard of Jimmy Evans, but right? Okay. Great guy. Great information on marriage, on relationships. He wrote a book in 1994 called Marriage on a Rock. And, uh, you know, we use that uh, sometimes in, in, for, for uh, marriage counseling and, 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 and stuff. In, in that book, he, he wrote, um, there are four vows that we ought to take, four vows within our marriage, not the, you know, happily wedded wife, holding chair, not that. These are four separate vows that we to do. And, and, and because of the sake of time, I, I'm not going to be able to go into all four vows. I'm going to probably cover maybe the first two. Um, and, and then I'm going to continue the next two. So if you're part of Yorktown Assembly of God and you're not going to be at the peak next week, I would encourage you um, check us out on, on uh, iTunes or um, Google Play. You know, on the podcast, just search the Peak Community Church, and all of our messages are there, and you can connect with us even though you're physically not there. Four vows uh, in marriage, in relationship. It's, it's the vow of priority. It's the vow of pursuit. It's the vow of partnership. And it's the vow of purity. These are four foundational uh, uh, um, columns that we need to stand on. And I'm going to go over the first two, the priority and the pursuit. And I don't know where it is or when it happens, you know, when we're really, really young and we're, you know, reading fairy tales and those, you know, nice story, story books you read at night and you think about, oh, you know, 
the one. The knight in shining armor. You know, the, the, the king, the prince, the, 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 the queen. The, she, she completes me. Oh, my soul. <laughs> I think she could be the one. Really? Yes. <laughs> I'm here to tell you that... Um, we, we, we recently did a, uh, uh, a series at the peak called First Things First. And it's about setting priorities. It's about God putting put us putting God first in everything that we do. God has to be first. And so if God is your one, then your spouse is your two. If God is your one... Your spouse is your two. In regards to putting God one, we got to understand this first because we can never put the spouse to be number two if we don't understand what it means to be number one. And Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5, the very popular passage of Scripture, it's the Shama. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. With every essence of being, of who you are, you're supposed to love God and love Him first. All your soul, all your body, and all your spirit. Somas, uh, psyche, pneumas, the three elements that compose a man. You know, we're, we're triune. Every part of us in our body, in our soul, and the strength of our spirit, we're supposed to be putting God first. That's how we're supposed to love him. That is the priority. If you're not married this morning, and you hope to be one day, vow to yourself this morning, I will seek the one while preparing for my two. Seek the one while you prepare for your two. It's the vow of priority. Here's the vow. I promise God will be my first priority and my spouse will be my second. Can you say that? I promise God will be my first and my spouse will be my... You know, when God created man, he made... And, it's, and it's, you know, if we read the, the, the account in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, God said, let us... He's speaking in a, plural, in a plural sense. Let us make man in our image and in our likeness. And so in his image and in his likeness, he created man. You ever think that, you know, he then caused a deep sleep to come upon man? And then from man... In that deep sleep, he pulled the rib, and from the one, he made two. And guess what happened? From the one, in his image and in his likeness, he created two, pulled one, pulled one out of it, right? And so what happens with that? You ever stop to think about like the differences between a man and a woman? Fellas, you think, you think you're created in the image and the likeness of God? Only partially. Ladies, you think you're created in the image and in the likeness of God? Partially. It's only when the man and the woman come together and begin to operate in sync, in unity, 
one mind, one spirit, one accord, one objective, one heart, one passion, one location that we're both traveling towards. It's, it's that hypostatic union and communication and in unity that then forms the image and the likeness of God. We're only a fraction. I'm only a half of it. I'm only half of the image. As, as, as God had created me, my wife is only the other half. It's when we come together that we're operating in that hypostatic union that now all of a sudden makes us the image and the likeness of God. And here's, here's the other uh, uh, thing that always comes up in regards to the Amago Deu, the image of God. Charlie, can you stand up right here? Think about this. Charlie, Charlie's a man. He works, husband. Charlie had a great day. Charlie sold like three roofs and things are going good and, you know, uh, got that little bonus and, and his boss called him up and said, man, we want to get you a company car. You're doing so good. You're doing great. Here's Kimberly. Kimberly had a rough day. Kim poor Kimberly. I mean, I, I would talk about what Murphy's Law. If anything could go wrong, it went wrong, right? Kimberly wants to come home. She's looking to soak her feet. She wants quiet and silence. But she's coming home and she's coming to this. Babe, you would never even know how. Guess I had this great day. Oh my God. But just like that's, that's just one day. But now what happens when you know, Charlie busted the move, the, 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 the project he didn't anticipate. There's another $20,000 deal on that thing, and he's going to... Kimberly, you had an awesome day. <laughs> huh? You're just so happy. So, sunshine and joy, and you come home. Mm -hmm. You just want to spill it out. Mm -hmm. This is the last thing you want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> Can I keep it real? Because not for nothing. God, thank you, guys. Can we give them a round of applause? This is... This is life, and life happens. And we both got jobs, and we both got lives that we have to operate and, and do. And then when we come home, we want to kind of intermingle this. And sometimes, on this, on this wavelength, we're not on the same page. I ain't feeling the way you're feeling. I don't want to go shopping. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. Man. <laughs> Now, this is how God intended it, though. Because if Charlie is over here, and regardless of all of the circumstances, highs and lows, ups and downs, mountaintops and valleys, he's consistent and he's steady because he's standing on a, on a foundation that can't be moved. God is his one. And as long as God is his one, he's able to serve his two. We've got the two. The two is over here. Now what happens now, the two is linked with the Holy Spirit. Regardless of what's happening in life, regardless of my feelings and emotions, regardless of the finances and, and how things appear to be, according to the Word of God, I'm in the center of His divine will. Ain't nothing out there going to be able to thwart that. Why? Because I'm consistent on the one that stays the same. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And although all of this could be changing, 
You, oh God, are constant. And when we place ourselves there, and Charlie would place himself here, that now all of a sudden, because this sink is, is connected, guess what happens when this sink comes together? It's all good. Coming from Kimberly herself. Genesis 2.24, the Bible tells us that that's why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. They become a union. Now, that word there, leaves his mother and father, I just want to kind of touch on that a little bit because the Hebrew rendition of that is asab. It means to loosen or relinquish. Do we have any young couples in the house? If we have some young couples in the house, ladies, just want you to look over at your partner and tell them, cut the umbilical cord. <laughs> cut it. Just cut it. I told you, I'm school of hard knocks. I learned this one the hard way. Oh my good, I, Eunice is in the back. I better be careful. Mom could come in and, and disrupt some things in a marriage. Moms could do that. And you can't, you can't turn around. I mean, you know, when you were mama's boy. You know, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> when you were mama's boy, how are you going to turn around and tell mom no? Like, no, ma, I can't do it. Why, what, what you mean you can't do it? What you mean? <laughs> Guido, why everybody call you Joe? I, I name you Guido. We leave mothers and fathers we leave them that means that that tie is loosened we relinquish that and we come together what's your priority if God is your first your wife is your come on now here's something that we wind up tending to do because when it's when, when God is not the one you're asking your spouse to do something that they're not equipped to do they're not built for that Huh? We, we fall into this idolizing, demonizing type of scenario, right? We want to idolize and demonize, idolize and demonize. You know, when we fall in love, oh my God, he's so cute. He's just, he's, you know what? He's so laid back and relaxed. I mean, I saw him taking this nap. He looks so dreamy. He was so cute. Oh my goodness, I really think he's the one. He's the one. And you go and you jump into this commitment and five years later... That lazy God, man, he's always sleeping. I don't understand. Can't get him to do his honey-do list. I, what's wrong with him? <laughs> it's the same way on the other side, though, you know? Guys, come on, you know we huddle up. Yo, she is dope, son. She is so dope. She's fine. Shorty looking good. And she's like, oh, man. And you know what? She's so organized. And she's just like, take charge. And she's like an administrator. She's just so good. So I tell yo, I think she's the one. I think she's the one. I'm going to get her the one. And what happened? Five years later, oh, my God, that OCD is kicking in. I can't even just deal with her. She's just, uh, everything's got to be a certain way. My socks, I can't, every time I try to look for my slippers, they're not there on the side, they're in the closet, like, 
You got to walk barefoot from here to the closet. Like, don't even make her. Lord, I want to lay hands on her. Jesus. <laughs> Driving me crazy. <laughs> Can I just keep it real this morning? Here's, here's, here's a truth to hold on to. No one can fill the void or provide the happiness or give you peace except for the only one. He can give you that. Amen? And I tell you this, that when you have the one as number one, ain't no devil in hell going to be able to come in and disrupt what God has ordained for your spouse to be. Amen? <laughs> it's the priority, though. We got to have the priority right. As I've been alongside of families and, 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 and have seen and come close face to face with death and people on their deathbed, um, I've, Pastor, I've never heard anyone turn around and say, man, you know what? I wish I would have spent more time in the office. You know? Uh, I wish I would have posted more on Instagram or Facebook and gotten more likes. Or I wish I would have, you know, that, that never happens. You know, you know what the priority becomes? Come on, when you look at life in the light of eternity, what becomes the priority? Huh? God and family. That's it, man. That's it. Take it from me. This is my experience. I've, I've been on there. I've been with people. God and family on the deathbed. This is the priority. Hallelujah. Most things that destroy marriages, it's not necessarily that they're bad things. They could be good things that are not prioritized correctly. And oftentimes, it's, you know, it's not that your spouse doesn't want you to pursue what you're pursuing. It's that you're, putting a, you're investing too much into the pursuit. Put the priority right, and maybe you can get the support. Protect the priorities. Protect the priorities. Can, can we just, if, if we were to get practical with it, God is first, then your spouse. And you keep that in alignment. What happens then when you have children? Right? Oh, yeah, now I'm going from preaching to meddling. Don't you talk about my kids. <laughs> my kids are angels. Guess what? Your children are not your priority. Your spouses. Can I just can I just bring that out? Huh? Children are just a temporary assignment. This never became any realer to me than when I had to drop my daughter off at college. To know that my little baby girl, the firstborn in my household, is not, not even living at home anymore. She's out in college. I miss the bejesus out of her. I mean, I just, you know, that's just my right to, my go-to. I miss my coffee morning time and all of that. But I realized, guess what? She's grown up. And kids are going to grow up. They're going to grow up and they're going to move out. At least we hope. <laughs> Unless they're a millennial, then, you know, you got to make a... <laughs> It's all right, listen. <laughs> you know we did the job right when we want them to come back. It's all right, you can have the basement apartment. It's all good. But the fact of the matter is that children are a temporary assignment. 
And uh, marriage is a lifetime commitment. When it's all said and done and the years go by, who's going to be there? Who's got your back? Who's got your six? You know, did you make the doctor's appointment? Did you take your medication? Have you figured this thing out? Come on. I mean, this is, this is real stuff. I mean, I'm battling this now. This is real stuff. You know, who's going to take you to the doctor's appointment? Who's going to do this? Who's going to do that? Did you eat? It's amazing how you could get so busy in life now and you forget to eat. It's a whole other message I'm going to work on. I've realized in, in marriage counseling that most women, they have absolutely no problem. No problem with the man being the spiritual high priest of his house and leading. As long as they're confident, listen, as long as they're confident in regards to how you're leading. Men, it's our job to cast the vision. It's our job to set the course, pull the compass out. The word of God, this is foundational. If the woman turns around and understands that you're a man that's submitted to the heart of God, when she knows where you're leading her to, when she sees through consistency and time and place that you do not falter, you're not perfect, you make mistakes. I mean, come on, this is what we do. But, but, but when, when it all comes down to it, what takes precedence? God is number one, and I'm going to live according to his statutes and his laws, and when I mess up, I'm going to hold myself accountable, say I mess up, I'm going to repent, turn around from it, and come back and reclaim and cling to that, which I know is true. Amen? We're, 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 you know, we, we, we spoke about the separation and how God took the man and, and, and separated and, and made you know, woman out of the man. And, and, and in that separation, woman, woman took a few, a few characteristic traits with her. Man, we kept some. But this is the differences that, that, that make us different. Ever notice how a woman, and I'll be a little delicate, <laughs> just recognizing the giftings and the talents in you, my love. <laughs> a woman, by nature, is intrinsic. She's got a sixth sense. She's got this discernment. She sees things coming before they even happen. They, 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 they can sense, like the spidey senses. They're like, you know, they got the, mm-mm, I don't want you hanging out with him. That's not a, that's not a good business. Jim Armstrong. Oh, right? Men's fellowship, man. I used to sit next to, uh, I, I used to take his, the, the, the seat to his right-hand side every Saturday morning because I knew that if I wanted to learn from someone or have someone pour into me, man, that was the, that was the guy. It, did, it, didn't, it didn't take a rocket scientist to f- figure that one out, Pastor. And so every Saturday morning, I would come and sit to Jim's right hand. And I, I'll never forget, you know, Saturday morning. Hey, Jim, you know, you, you, you say you hear from the Holy Spirit often. And, and you know, what, what does the Holy Spirit sound like? And he just sat there and pondered it for a second. He said, well, more often than not. Holy Spirit sounds like Shirley. <laughs> Do you guys, you know what the things that we could avoid in life if we just relinquished that control and trusted our spouses on that level? Man, come on, that'll preach all on its own. But 
the woman is, is, is there. But guys, we ain't built like that. We ain't built like that. You know, put the challenge in front of me. What's wrong? Talk to me. We can fix it. I'm, a, I'm the fixer person. I'm the protector. I'm the one. I'm, you know, getting in there. To, it. So, this brutal machismo, you know, that's, that's just, you know. I want to think about it. Thinking's too hard, man. Who wants to think? You, you think about it, I'll do it. Tell me what you want me to do. We're like on opposite ends here. But that's the beauty of this union, that when we come together, all, you, you never notice that all of our weaknesses happens to be the women's strengths? And the woman's weaknesses happens to be our strengths? And if we can learn to confide and trust and rely on each other, just relinquish. Just relinquish. It don't make no sense to me, but if you said it, sweetheart, I'm gonna, let's go by it. I'm going to go with it. I'm going to go with it. We relinquish, and we begin to operate. And I rely on her strengths, and she relies on my strengths. And when I have areas of weakness, I release and let it go to her. And when she needs help, she comes in. And Eunice doesn't ever need help, by the way, just so you know. <laughs> But if she did, <laughs> she, would, she would release that. She would release it to me. And she would trust in full confidence that I'm a man in submission to God's will above all. Amen? Amen. Ephesians 5.25 states, Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. This, this, this word love. Love our wives. Love your wife. This isn't an eros love. It's not a phileos love. This isn't like, you know, oh, I love, I love my new suit. How's my suit look? So I love my new suit. I love my new car. Or you know what? I love my new friend. Like, you, you, we, we ascribe this word love to just a whole lot of things. But yeah, this is so far above what God is saying when he says, love your wives. This agape love. To love her the way Christ loved us. Lay down your life. You know, the people always say, man, you know, I die for you. I'll die for you. You know, I love you so much, I'll take a bullet for you. Put my hand on a grenade for you. I will die for you. Like, I mean, we, we, we sing songs about this, this love, like I'm going to die for you. But can you live for the one you love? Oh, it's real easy to just give it up. Give up the ghost. You know what? Man, I love you so much, I just can't deal with this. I just want to die. <laughs> and then it's another thing to love someone with such passion and endearment that you would live for them. And this is what we need to do because this is a direct reflection. Let me tell you something. Your relationship with your wife is a direct relationship of you and your father. You could tell a lot about your relationship with God based upon your relationship with your spouse. Amen? Amen. Our roles are to protect these priorities and do everything within our power. You lay down your life for two things, Christ and your spouse. I promise God will be my first priority Family, touch somebody and tell them, my spouse was going to be my second. In order to be fulfilled in life, 
you have to find the one. And if God is the one, then your spouse is the two. You protect these priorities at all costs. And when you have that priority, then, then the pursuit. Oftentimes, we want to pursue before having our priorities right. Remember, you could, you could be doing the right things, but if the priority is wrong, then it's wrong. You could build a house really nice, but if you didn't lay down that foundation first, the house is not going to stand. You could have the great framer. You could have a beautiful roof. You could have great you know, granite countertops. You could have it all, but you know what? If your priority wasn't right, the house is going to crumble. And so once we've got this priority right, then comes the fun part. It's the pursuit. And by nature, we usually pursue what we don't have. How many people remember when you first fell in love? Huh? Come on, writing letters. Got the poetry flow. Come on, fellas. Making that mixtape. You know, I used to make the mixtape. Scars of love. Scars of love. Like, I mean, this is... We, this is a, uh, yo, yo. She's the one. <laughs> you know, we used to do ridiculous things, like like drive overnight just to go and see. I just wanted to see you. Hi. You drove 10 hours? Yeah, I just wanted to hear your voice. Phone. And write these notes and these mixtapes, and, and you want all these conversations, because I know you know what I mean. <laughs> just want to stay off the phone. No, you say something. No, no, you say something. No, no, you say something. Are you tired? No, 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 I'm not tired. I'm not tired. I just want to hear you breathe. <laughs> Come on, y'all know. You fall asleep with the phone, all of a sudden you wake up. <laughs> the phone clicked off on you. You pursue that what you don't have, you want, you think, mm, that's what you're going to go after. And so then what happened? Once you got it, came home with the prize, and then you stop pursuing. And you stop doing the things that you used to do to attain the things that you want. Is there any other area in life that you can be lazy and prosper? Is there anything in life that you can be lazy and improve? Your body, you know, it takes work going into the gym. You got to, it takes work. You got to, you're not going to be lazy and think that you're going to be looking like, you know, that's not going to happen overnight. That doesn't do with osmosis, business. It takes work. It takes work. Yard work, it takes work. You got to go out, the grass ain't going to cut itself. Here's one. When the, when the grass starts getting greener on the other side, how about you start uh, watering your own yard? <laughs> Cutting the weeds out of your yard. Stop looking at somebody else's property and understand you got your own property. Vow number one is that God is going to be our first and our spouse is going to be our two. And vow number two, will you, can you promise this morning that you would always pursue your two? Always pursue 
your two. Genesis 2.24, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. United. This, 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 this Hebrew word, dabak, is cling or adhere, to catch by pursuit, to pursue hard with affection and devotion. Dabak is, is translated a, a David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. Uh, he, he cried out to God in the 63rd Psalm and he said, I follow close behind you. I want to cling to you, my God, that you and I could be one. See, see, David, when he wrote those words, the Holy Spirit had, wasn't granted. The Holy Spirit used to reside in the Moed, in the, in the tabernacle of meetings. There was only one time a year that the high priest would be able to go in and be in the presence of the living God. He spoke about clinging unto God, pursuing behind him. And do you know what? This is what the Holy Spirit gives unto us. We're not, we're not surrounded by the Holy Spirit. We're infilled by the Holy Spirit. He clings to us. And we must cling to Him. And this is what He's saying is that we ought to be clinging with our wives. Becoming one. Anybody ever see a three-legged race? I asked in the first service. Nobody ever, nobody ever seen a three-legged race? You, you tie somebody, two people, you take two people, time together. Tie my leg to your leg and then we, we start walking together. <laughs> the three-legged race. Could you imagine living life like that? And who would want that? But this is what the Bible says, that we're supposed to cling to one another and become one. So, you know, when you move, I move. Just like that. And I move, you move. Just like that. You go a little to the left. We go a little to the right. And whichever way you go, I'm going to go. Holy Spirit, you got the flow. We're going to go with the Holy Spirit flow. Yo, can I tell you that that's what marriage is like? <laughs> it's about the flow. <laughs> it's a good place. It's a good place if you found it upon God. You know what it is, is that we, 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 we stop pursuing because we, we, once we have it and we're there, familiarity breeds. <sighs> Come on now. Familiarity breeds contempt. I mean, that's a fact of life. I, I, I firmly believe that, you know, the whole thing in, in regards to like relationships, because, you know, when you're in the pursuit, everything's romantic, everything is love, everything is all good. And, you know, but once you spend around, enough time around with each other and you go out to dinner and you do this and you go into the movies and you're getting familiar and then all of a sudden somebody farts. <laughs> like, 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 that's it. I believe that that moment, that's a pinnacle moment in every relationship that when the person then farts and then that's it, hands off, all, all bets are off, that's it. Why? You just farted? You let your hair down? Like, what? Like, oh, you're not comfortable? <laughs> Yo, I got one too. Why? All of a sudden, you're like having farting contest. Then that's it. Then, then we stop pursuing. <laughs> Can we just get to a place here this morning <laughs> that we would pursue and continue the pursuit? 
of a sudden, you know, you start going to sleep, you got the doobie on, you got the black thingy, lingerie turns into granny pants, like, it's just, like, you know, this, this all of a sudden, I mean, this isn't always going to look this good. I mean, it's just like, we get over that and we realize that our relationships and our marriages, they built on the, it's got to be built on the Lord. It's got to be built on the Lord. John Gottman wrote a book in 1976, A Couple's Guide to Communication, and he wrote, Where Are Our Manners? Where are our manners? The most consistent research finding about what is the difference in the communication of strangers and people married to each other is that married people are ruder to each other than they are to strangers. They interpret their spouse, they interrupt their spouses more, put their spouses down more, and are less complimentary to each other. Familiarity breeds contempt. Let's not take each other for granted. Come on, if we're going to do anything, know that the person that we're doing life with, it's life. This is life. The kids are going to grow up. They're going to grow out. They're going to move out. And guess what? It's you and me, baby, ride or die. That's it. The kids are going to go wherever they're going to go, but we're here together for a lifetime commitment. Who's got each other's back? Stay in pursuit. Not just while you're courting, but while in marriage. You know, most of us have good intentions. Charlie spoke a little bit about it this morning. We have, we have great intentions. We just have lousy follow-through. I'd love to be that guy, you know, in the soup kitchen and serving, but you know what? Life gets busy, and, you know, my, my, my heart is right. God knows I would love to be there, but the fact that I never make it there. Come on. We have the best intentions with our wives, with our home. We want to we take care of the things that we want to take care of. And in my mind's eye, like it, it makes all the sense in the world. But actually, you know, getting the sheetrock out and cutting the pieces and putting it together and doing all of that, life gets in the way. You think I'm preaching. I'm telling on myself right now. I hear you, babe. two points and I'm done here this morning when you think something good say it Hebrews 313 but encourage one another daily not just once in a blue when was the last time you told her that I love you yeah but she knows she knows we've been man man she oh she got the rock she got the whole you know man when was the last time you said it like not just the flippant you know hey babe all right have a great day love you I'm talking about the real, honest, heartfelt, let me hold your hand, look you deep in your eye, and tell you eye to eye, heart to heart, girl, I love you. Thank you for an amazing dinner. Man, you look gorgeous tonight. I want to marry you all over again. Come on. You got to pursue her with words of affection. And, and sometimes it's not just the words. Affection can also be non-sexual, non-verbal. Women don't just want to hear it. They want to see it. Don't tell me. Show me. Put your money where your mouth is. Come on. Can we keep it real? You know, some of the loudest statements that we as men can make in, in our relationships, maybe a, a tire rotation or 
grabbing the groceries or having dinner prepared already before you even get home. Like, you know what I'm saying? Being able to plan some things out that, 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 that would surprise her. Fulfill that honey-do list. Give the reasons why you love. Man, you know what? I love you because not for nothing, you honor God. You're, you know, you may not be right, you may not be perfect, but you know what? When push comes to shove, you're going to stand on the word of God above all things, even when you got to take a loss. I love that about you. Ladies, pursue him with words of affirmation. Men, we, we use the affection. Ladies, affirm. Affirm. What does that mean? Well, he's not becoming who you think he, he's becoming, and he's not on this. He, he's becoming what you see in him. Build him up spiritually. Don't tell him what he's not. Tell him what you see him becoming. Speak life and vision into your husband. Build him up spiritually. Come on. Yeah. You know what, man, you want, you want to know what she wants to know? Do you love me today? Today. Not yesterday, not tomorrow. Do you love me today, right now? And you don't just say that, you live that. Because she's going to hear it. She's going to hear your actions a lot louder than she hears your words. Ladies, do you, do you want to know what he wants to know? Do you believe in me today? We're simple. Men, men we're simple-minded. Can I, can I just say that? Can I keep it real? Like, we don't want to over-contemplate things and, and complicate. And it, 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 it's just not us. That's not us. Who, who, anybody have a pet? Have a dog? You have a little dog? Oh, he's so cute. I get home, a little Cody dog. How you doing? You want a little snack? You want a snack? Okay, sit. Okay. He's a good boy. He's a good boy. Hey. So happy, right? Little happy dog. Happy dog in the house. We ain't much different. I mean, really, I, 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 we ain't much different. You want to get the most out of us? Just affirm us, you know? Pat us behind the ear a little bit. Tell us, you know, how cute we are. Oh, my God, you look so cute. You're, you're awesome. Oh, my God. You think we could get around to doing that kitchen? Yeah, right now, right, right now, baby. I got it. I got it. Get right on that kitchen, girl. For you. Last but not least, <laughs> when, you want to, when you want something different, be the difference. When you want something different, be the difference. Oh, if only she would. Ba, 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 ba. If my husband would just be the spiritual leader and act like it. Ba, 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 ba. Don't gripe about what your spouse is not. Continue to grow them into who they're supposed to be. Don't, don't, we live by faith and not by sight. Don't look at the current circumstance and think that that is what the situation that you're locked into. We have the power, the authority to call those things that are not as if though they 
are to be able to claim all of God's promises that are yea and amen in every arena of our lives. Hallelujah. And that includes our marriage. To get what you've never had, you must do what you've never done. To get what you once had, you must do what you once did. Get back to basics. For the older couples, it can be a lot of fun. <laughs> For you younger couples, know that God's got to be your priority. Build it on that foundation and everything else will be handed down. Amen. The Peak Community Church is a young, vibrant, life-giving church in the heart of Peekskill. Come and visit us on Sunday mornings, 10 a.m. at the historic Elks Club, 1038 Brown Street. Thank you for listening.